and it's again like the stigma of changing all of the stigma and using different terms you know it's like we don't want to wait for them to hit rock bottom we want to raise the bottom we want to bring the bottom bottom up to them so how do we help them you know you can sit there and tell them like these are your options you know you have option a is you can go back out in the street and you continue to use option b is i will help you get into a rehab i will take you where you need to be to get into a rehab and get into detox and do the things that you need to do so you're giving it Uh, Science Stigma Podcast. Want to do a podcast today on um, helping. Where do we get help? The holidays are coming. COVID's back. You know, where can we go? Where's the outlets? We have kids, adults picking up drugs again. You know, the relapse, you're reading it in the paper. And I just was like, we got to figure something out. We got to help people. How do we help people? So I have Jackie's mom here, Gina, again. She was on several of our podcasts. I asked her to come back because she she's involved in different groups in the community. Like, where do we take people? Where do they reach out? How do we help? It's not just the user. It's the families. It's the grief over the holidays. It's the depression. It, it's all of it bundled up. And on top of that, we have COVID. And as we all know, um, the restrictions are coming back. And mm-hmm. it's it's just scary. And so... I want to welcome Gina back. She's always a great guest to have. She's knowledgeable. She's had a lot of experience, a lot of heartache through drug addiction. Um, Jackie's doing great right now. Um, so we're, we were just talking about that before this podcast, and that's awesome. Jackie, keep doing what you're doing, girl. Um, so welcome to Gina. Thank you. I don't even know where to start because I'm with you. Um, watching all of these kids that are still picking up and using um, most of the things that I've been involved in have been related to the families in recovery because I joined the York Opioid Collaborative. I'm not one that's going to walk into a committee by myself, and I don't even remember how I found out about it. I think I might have seen it on Facebook, and I thought, oh, they've got all these people, and they've got all these members there. What are they talking about? What's going on? And they were holding this meeting at Martin Memorial Library at the time, and I walked in, and it's first responders, police chiefs, the DA, uh, DA Sunday is in there. There's all of these people in there. And here's me, little Gina sitting down (laughs) in a chair and, you know, everybody's introducing themselves and it gets to me and I, you know, and this was before Steph had passed away. And I said, I'm just a parent. You know, I have a child who, you know, is in active addiction at the time she was active. And I said, I'm just a parent and I'm just looking for resources. I'm looking for what I need to do. So what they did is they started breaking things down into subcommittees and I kind of attached myself to a recovery subcommittee. Um, And that's kind of my passion is the recovery aspect of it. So um, I've been doing the York Opioid Collaborative now for, well, Steph's been gone two years, so probably close to three years now. And um, it's still, it keeps getting restructured. And I think one of the biggest things that we need at the York Opioid Collaborative are are more people. We need more parents involved. I know you mentioned earlier, um, Nate Smeltzer, Mm -hmm. you know, his dad and mom, I don't know if his mom's there. I don't know if I've actually ever met the mother, but the father was going to a couple of those meetings. Um, So I know I met them, but there's no other parents that have had the sorrows that we've had and mm-hmm. gone through the things that we've had. And I think that we need parents because they give it a different perspective. I asked questions of them, like, where do you dispose of the drugs when you find them? How do you know where to take the drugs and, and what to do with them? You yeah, know, those I are mean, good questions. It, it was something that I, I know that I had gone through, you know, Jackie's car at one time and I had a bunch of drugs and didn't know what to do with them. And I, I needed to get rid of them and I didn't know where to put them. And I just stuck them in a garbage can which was not a good thing to do and I did let them know that but I was like I'm not the only parent that's finding drugs and not knowing what to do with them you don't flush them you need to get rid of them what's the safe way so Uh, is that is that group organization did they used to be called the York Heroin Task Force I think they were I think originally originally when it was um, Pam Gay the corner I think so because Pam still yeah okay yeah because I went to their first town hall in Delta 
Okay. Uh, when they first formed. Did they have one in Red Lion too? Because I think I went to a town hall that I signed yes. up and nobody ever contacted me. I never got contacted by anybody. And I was like, here, I'm trying to ask, you know, I want to help. Yes. And nobody contacted me. Yeah. It was, it was brand new when I went. Yeah. I mean, I just, I met with the district attorney. I don't even think he was the district attorney at that time. I'm mm. not sure. But it was at the very beginning and they were meeting down in Delta. And that's where I first learned about some of the organizations and things, you know, and they right. talked about the Narcan and they talked about, and there were some pretty harsh conversations going on at that meeting yeah. that I went to. It was basically people were talking about addicts. I don't want them in my neighborhood, get right. them out of my neighborhood. It was a ton of stigma. It's definitely changed now. And a lot of what York Opioid Collaborative is doing is working with all these other groups in reducing the stigma. What can we do to get rid of the stigma? How can we get more people? We're even looking for some of the those in long-term recovery interested in possibly joining the York Opioid Collaborative. Okay. You know, somebody in long-term recovery would be awesome to run the recovery subcommittee, you know, yeah. to let the people know what it is that they need. I only have my experience. You know, I've brought negative experiences to them. I told them about the fact that recovery houses were not necessarily giving the right medication to the people that were there, or they weren't giving Jackie the Suboxone, and they were giving me information as to where I could go and how I could complain about that and how I could file a complaint um, I also got information about licensing because when Jackie was discharged from her uh, recovery house, or actually the sober living house this year, um, I went right away to the York Opioid Collaborative and also the Race Project, which was another place that I called and said, how can they do this? How can they, in the middle of a pandemic, just kick somebody out for what they're saying is um, negative behavior? Like, how do you kick somebody out for negative behavior? And negative behavior was isolating. And what I found out is what they're starting to do. And I also found this out in the other, um, I'm also a member of the Pennsylvania Drug and Alcohol, the Parent Advocacy Forum. Just started that, so I don't know a lot about it. Okay. I've been to two meetings, um, but I'm kind of like the regional representative for the PPAC. And what they're starting to do is license um, these recovery houses. In order to get funding, Pennsylvania was granted I guess York County was actually granted, probably York and Dolphin County were granted funds that allow them to use this for the recovery houses to get licensed. And the recovery houses will get licensed. If they want to get funded, they have to be licensed. And if they have the license, then you're going to have guidelines that you can follow, which I think is a really good thing. It's yeah. not going to keep some of them, some of them aren't just going to do it. They're going to say, no, we're not going to get licensed. But right. Yeah, and that's interesting because in that first meeting that I went to, that was one of the things... Um, that they spoke about was how terrible these recovery houses are. And I remember I came home and I thought, they're not regulated, but these judges, they can't go home right from prison. Right. They tell them to go to these recovery homes. And I had a really negative thought in my head about recovery homes. And, and I, so I always kept in my head, like, they're terrible, they're terrible. So my aunt's uh, grandson was getting out of prison. She said he's going into a house. And I was like... I don't know why they do that. Like, that's terrible. Like this. And then I met somebody in a house and their house was a good house. Right. And so there's good houses and there's bad and houses. And there's bad houses. And the good houses are the ones that will yep. get registered and, and sometimes, do follow the rules. Absolutely. And, and I don't know much about the recovery house itself other than they have the really strict rules. Because when I met my friend, he was already in a sober house. Okay. And so I spent a lot of time and they had strict rules in their sober house. And it wasn't anything like they depicted in that meeting that right. I went to. And I was like, I mean, you can have one that will have all of these strict rules and they'll follow them. And then you'll have another one. And Jackie has been in many of them, you know, but you'll have another one where they'll have the rules and they'll bend them according to whoever is managing the house. Okay. You know, if it's privately owned and they can manage it however they want to manage it. And if it's a little clickish which is what happened in Jackie's situation, it was a click. And they had told her three days prior, oh, you know, you're fine. You're not getting kicked out of here. Everything's good. Then three days later, just with no warning, they said, oh, you have an hour to pack your stuff and get out. Well, there was somebody else they wanted in the house. That's all it came down to. Okay. The only thing that I'm thankful of is, you know, because Jackie's doing well, and I have heard a couple of the people in this particular house had actually relapsed, and one girl who had been there... Um, who we thought had been doing really well actually um, died of an overdose um, this year during the COVID. So 
in some ways I'm grateful that she got discharged from that mm -hmm. recovery house because she's doing well. And I'm afraid that maybe she wouldn't have been doing so well if she would have stayed there. Yeah. It was not a regulated house. And, and we talk about this as well right before this podcast. Austin brought up the question um, in another podcast or in another conversation. When you live in one of those houses and somebody fails, does the whole house fall? And and you know, and sometimes you can. You know, I think it just depends on how close you are with that person. Um, you know, I mean, Jackie was in a sober house and, and overdosed in, and this wasn't in the York area, but I mean, she overdosed, um, because somebody else brought some drugs into the house and she used them and she overdosed. And that girl just walked away and pretended that Jackie didn't overdose. It was somebody else that found her and thank God they found her because we didn't know if she'd be alive or not. Yeah. Interesting. So, so. um, it, just because it's a sober house and just because it's a recovery house doesn't mean that there's not drugs in there. Just because you go to jail doesn't mean there's not drugs in there. <laughs> Absolutely. That's you know? very true. So what, what exactly are you doing in the recovery committee of this group? Well, right now they're trying, um, again, they're talking about licensing and they're just trying to get the committee together. So okay. I know when you reached out to me, I was like, oh, I got to get paperwork. I got to <laughs> figure out, you know, we're talking about um, the stigma is a big one. And what can we do? Like there's been some surveys. The York Opioid Collaborative has done surveys. Um we've done a community survey on stigma and gathered all this information on this. Um, so I think right now a lot of it is just focusing on stigma and what can we do during COVID? You know, we're not meeting personally anymore. Um, we're doing virtual meetings. They've kind of restructured. So they have like a preventive, they have um, the recovery subcommittee. There's preventive, there's treatment um, and one other. I can't think of what the other one is. Um, but yeah, I think there's four different committees that they have. So it's always something they do have it. I, I'm not sure how you want to maybe get information out if anybody's ever interested in showing up and even doing a zoom meeting and just sitting in and listening to what's going on. You know, maybe someone who's going through it can show a different perspective. Um, so is that something that they would just show up? Like, is it open to, to the public? Or it's is open it, to the public, okay. yeah. I mean, like I said, when I walked in there, it was just kind of like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing here. But uh, um, I graduated from being, you know, just a parent of an, I wasn't graduated, wasn't really a good thing. But then, you know, I had a different perspective when I lost Steph, you know, because mm -hmm. and a different perspective when Jackie went to jail. So, you know, with each step, of what I've gone through in the last couple years, there was something and somebody, maybe a resource, whether it was somebody from Children's Services, whether it was a first responder, whether it was the police chief or, or the DA, whatever, you know, somebody could give me information or at least direct me to where I needed to go. Okay, so they're informative as well. Yeah, they're definitely informative. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think the race project is a really good resource. Um, and, and I only say that I haven't, I've only used them once or twice. Basically the race project does a lot of different things. I think they just opened up a recovery, uh, recovery house or a, I'm going to say it wrong. They opened up a place where somebody could actually, if you are in recovery or you're in active addiction, you can actually go to this facility and they will help you. They will get you resources. They'll get you set up for a rehab. If you need a rehab detox, whatever. I just got an email on that. And I can't remember the name of the house. Yeah. Is it on Market Street? On Market Street. On Market yes. Street. Is so it, those listeners. Is it, is it East Market Street? Is it just for today? Just for today. Okay. Just and, for and today actually, on East Market Street. Okay. Yep. And I actually go there on Wednesday, every other Wednesday, the first and third Wednesday of the month for the Not One More Cares meeting. They also hold their grief meeting there at the Just For Today. Okay. At least right now because of COVID. We were at the hospital. Okay. But yeah, Just For Today. So, you know, they've definitely opened that up. Um, they're doing some remodeling in there, so it's supposed to be pretty nice. And that's open every day. Yes. And that's a support. So anybody can go in there at any yeah. point in the day and they'll give you some support of whatever yep. you need. Yep. So that's an option to any of these listeners that are looking for something like just having a bad day, yep. just need a resource, just need to talk to someone. Just need to talk to somebody. Um, I know that they advertise that it's just for today. I'm a recovery. I mean, I know when during one of Jackie's um, overdoses, I was in Delaware and I really didn't know. Um, at this point, if she was going to be alive or not, when I was going to get back into York, but I had called her brother. And I said, if somebody from the race project does not show up, if Jackie's okay and somebody doesn't show up, 
call, tell, go to the hospital, the emergency room desk or whatever, and tell them to call the race project because what they will do is they do these warm handoffs. And so they will come in when somebody overdoses. And now I think it's kind of the emergency rooms will contact the race project. They have people that will go in and talk to the person who is overdosed and they will try to get them to commit to going to rehab. Um, you know, and fortunately Jackie did commit to going to rehab and it was, you know, it turned out to be a good thing. Um, took a little while, but it definitely turned out to be a good thing, but it's just, it's a good resource. And when she was discharged from the recovery house, I called the race project. I said, this is what's going on. Where can I go? Who can, what can I do? Are there other houses I can get her into? Is there other sober living houses? Like what takes, what accepts, you know, the maintenance drugs? Um, because not all recovery houses or sober houses allow no, but that's going to be changing too, because okay. they are actually looking at, um, looking at the MATs and being allowed to be in there. It's going to pose a couple different challenges though, because you've got to look at who's going to be distributing the medication. How are they going to, you know, they're going to have to have a safe to lock it up in, you know, there's definitely some things that they're going to have to abide by, but that's going to go under there as well too, because, you know, I think recovery houses, if they're saying the doctor's saying, we're going to put you on an MAT or the rehab, the rehab that you're MAT going to. what's MAT stand for? It is the, um, I knew you were going to, medicated assisted treatment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that before. Austin's usually on this when we, when we don't know. Oh, I knew that. I knew yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. So your MATs are going to be your methadone, your Suboxone. Okay. So that'll be your MAT. Um, and they will. I mean, that's what happened with Jackie is like they recommended that she be on Suboxone and then she would get into these places where they were like, well, we don't accept, you know, we can't take her because she has the Suboxone. We're not accepting it. So then you got to find another place that takes the Suboxone. Do they not accept them because they don't believe that they should be using assisted drugs? They should be totally drug free or are they not accepting it because of what you just said, like the dispensing It could be of a combination, and... I think. Okay. I think some of them, and again, you know, some of these places, some of these recovery houses are being run by former addicts themselves, you know, so... You know, it's just, I'm finding you really don't have a lot of people that are in long, long-term recovery running these recovery houses, mm-hmm. you okay. know. Um, I so, always wanted one, just by the way. I was told I couldn't do it. That was always my dream when I why first... Why couldn't you do it? When I first Emotional went, attachment. Yeah, when I first went <sighs> to the first sober house, they called me the sober mom um, the couple times that I was there. And, of course, there's strict rules, so they're all younger people and so i would bring pizza i couldn't go upstairs like there were so right. many rules right. that you had to follow and i said i want to do this in memory of kyle like i could see kyle thriving in one of these places if he would have just taken the opportunity to get help and they said you would be great like you would be great at this but i get so emotionally attached yeah. that it would it would be a struggle for me first of all to lose one would be hard and you do lose people. You do lose them, yes. But secondly, if one person was like, I can't afford my rent this week, I would be, I would be yeah. I'd be like, okay, well let's just do this next week. Because I next always week. wanted to do that as well. You know, I wanted to I want to do something in recovery. Like I'm yep. on the downs we're not gonna talk about my age, but I'm looking towards retirement. <laughs> you know, I'm like, there with you. <laughs> like I want to retire and and I really want to do something recovery related. I just don't know what that is. You know, I've, I've looked at, you know, is there some kind of not-for-profit that maybe I could get into? Um, and that's totally off the subject. But yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I would have a hard time. I want to do something. I don't know what. There's tons of houses out there. You know, you can find cheap places to really just renovate and be able to help them. Um, I almost would like to do something further out of the city. Like I would like to do a recovery house outside of the city and provide transportation into the things that they need because That's you don't the key. have, that the is bus. the key. If the bus isn't there. Right. And there's a lot of times the bus was great while Jackie was there, but then on Sunday nights, the bus didn't run or certain holidays, the bus wasn't running. So then they still have places that they have to go. So I always wanted to do some kind of side transportation thing. Like let's get the recovery house outside of the city. So it's not right there in the midst of all the drugs and then provide them transportation to where they needed to go. But I'll be the bus driver. I was just going to say, go. I was just gonna say I'll, I'll ride the bus. I'll drive the go. bus. Like, I could totally do that. But I'm the, yeah. I'm the same as you. Like recovery is a passion for me yep. because I never got the chance for him to, to 
even want to recover. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I've, I've met a lot of people in recovery and my heart goes out to those people. And, and I'm, I'm exactly like you. Like I want to do something. Yep. Every chance that I had, there was a house that was up for sale in the city. And I said to kids, let's like do this recovery thing. And people say, well, they make a ton of money. I don't care about the money part of it. Like I wouldn't do it for the money. That's why I would probably let them live there rent free. Yeah. It doesn't teach them the skills that they need to get out. Well, and speaking but, of skills, I mean, that's the thing is what skills are being taught in the recovery houses? I don't really know. I mean, a lot of times they're required to get a sponsor and they're required to get the steps and they're required to get a job, but some of them don't even know what kind of a job to get. Like one of the other things that I would like to do is because I have, well, my son's running it, but we have this coffee shop in East Prospect. And I said, how cool would it be if I could somehow incorporate a not-for-profit within the coffee shop that would allow us to train them for like barista services or, you know, like internships, like it wouldn't be paid because we couldn't afford to pay them right now, but it would be something that would give them skill, would get them out, it would keep them busy, keep them occupied and teach Mm -hmm. them a skill so that when they were ready to move on, then they could go and they could actually get a job and, you know, be able to use that for resources of some sort, which is something else that I think is really needed. But yeah, we'll have to brainstorm more on this. We might be doing something down the road. If anybody has any ideas, Austin's driving. Yeah. But no, I'm really passionate about that. And so the race, it's the race race project. R A S E. I'm sure it stands for something. Okay. I don't know what it stands for. Okay. But and yeah, they're, they're they're local. In they York. have um, a couple different. I think York, Hanover, Lancaster. Okay. Race project is big in Lancaster. Matter of fact, Stephanie, my daughter, who had passed had gotten um, heavily involved in the race project in Lancaster there for a short period of time. Is that the group that does the needle exchange? I think they I, might be. They might be I the ones heard that do they also Do they do wear a the lot orange the... shirts in the city? They go into York City and do exchange? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. But, I mean, a lot of the people that are working for the race project are also recovering addicts. The race project will okay. hire you. I mean, they have certain guidelines and certain, you know, requirements that you have to have. I think you have to have so long, clean, maybe two years or something. Um, but, you know, they will also, you know, hire you. And, and okay. that's good because I think, you know, in order to deal with those who are in recovery or those who are in active addiction trying to get into recovery, I think you need to know where you came from. And, you know, they can talk their talk with them and that's exactly what Jackie needed was somebody that would talk that talk with her and you know convinced her to go into the rehab and some of these rehabs you're required to be a uh, recovering yes um, to get a job in certain positions yep. I learned that as well yeah yeah I think uh I just told Jackie I think she has to have two years and at two years she can be a certified recovery specialist okay so and that's something else I mean right now they have this new Thought I had something on it. Um, have you heard of BALM? B A L M. It stands for Be a Loving Mirror, and they actually have support groups. It it kind of there's you can take it further. You can take it to the point where you can become a certified recovery specialist, or you can just go through these seminars that actually teach you how to deal if you have a child who's in active addiction, things to do and things not to do. It's to help you. It's to help them, and it's to. Um, one of the things that I think always resonated with me was they, we talk about, um, those with the substance use disorder having to hit rock bottom before they get help. Well, the bomb does not use the term rock bottom. And it's again, like the stigma of changing all of the stigma and using different terms. You know, it's like, we don't want to wait for them to hit rock bottom. We want to raise the bottom. We want to bring the bottom bottom up to them. So how do we help them? You know, you can sit there and tell them like, these are your options. You know, you have option A is you can go back out in the street and you continue to use. Option B is I will help you get into a rehab. I will take you where you need to be to get into a rehab and get into detox and do the things that you need to do. So you're giving them choices instead of just walking away and doing the tough love that everybody thinks that, you know, is important to do. I don't believe in the tough love. I I do believe in being supportive, um, but you need to support recovery, not addiction. And what's this, what's this group called? This is BOM. It's not even a group that meets. Okay. It's just like seminars. Um, okay. The York Opioid Collaborative was actually doing seminars. Um, they were doing free seminars for a while that you could actually go in and do these seminars. But there is a book. I thought I had information here, and I might find it yet. But I can get it to you. Yeah, we you can want. look into yeah, it. Yeah, we'll we definitely can, look we into can, it. 
we can give that information. Yeah. Yeah, I think in, in this episode, I'm gonna, in the description, we'll put a bunch of like websites and stuff like that yeah. for people to be able to get in contact with these different things. Yeah, because that's that's helpful. Yeah. So the other groups that I do, I mean, right now, um, right now I'm not meeting anymore. I was hosting a Naranon group at my house. I did the uh, Dallas Town Naranon family group for okay. a while and was holding that at Bethlehem United Church because there really isn't very many Naranon groups around. Um, Naranon, for those that don't know, are for families who have someone in active addiction or someone in recovery. And it's just a place for you to go to help yourself. You're not really going there for your your loved one. You're going there for you self-care. because it's self-care. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a 12-step program, so you're definitely working the 12 steps. Um, it's not religious. It's spiritual. Um, and it's just, it is, it's just based on the 12 steps. And it's definitely been a lifesaver for me. I've belonged to that for a number of years. It's the same 12 steps as they would go? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just working on you. You know, I remember the first time I went, I think I sat and I, I listened to a lot of people. And I think we had this conversation once before, because I think you, you went to one in York. I don't think that you really, yeah, I wasn't it, a big fan, wasn't a fan. And I went to one and I didn't really care for it the very first time I went. When I went back, I found one in Shrewsbury, and I went, and maybe it was just the different time. It might have been what I was going through at the time. I don't know, but everything that these people who shared were going through resonated with me, and I just spent probably the first I, I, the first three meetings that I went to, I just did nothing but cry the entire time. You know, it was just mm-hmm. like because you hear the story, and you're like, oh my god, you know, I can't share, I can't tell them anything. Um, but it, it makes you feel better. You're not alone. You're because not sometimes alone. Sometimes that person, what you're afraid to say, that person is speaking for you. And, right. And you may not ever say a word in that meeting, but you learn so much. You really do. You really learn that I'm okay feeling this way. Yeah. And, and there's no judgment. You know, right. nobody's going to judge you. Um, and that's what I liked about it. So I did that for quite a while, you know, and I mean, you had your ups and downs, you know, you listen to stories and you listen to somebody who you know, gives you hope and, you know, their loved one might have had 18 months clean. And and this happened to me. It was the very first experience that I had in the Naranon group where, you know, I was like, oh, you know, she's given me so much hope, you know, for my daughter, like her son's doing really good and he's got his license back and he has his kids back and he's doing really good. And then I got a, a blast text message at one time that, um, that he had overdosed and passed away. And it was like just a slap in the face, um, you get attached you just get attached and you just like how can this happen how can this happen after so long so it's a reality it makes you realize you know that you have no control over anything in your life but your own um your own life your own feelings and your own reactions and uh so anyway you know at some point in time i decided that i wanted to give back and so i thought that doing um the naranon group would be something that i would do so i did start that and um it i stopped it through COVID just the last couple of weeks I was doing it at my house and okay. I just let them know it's just not safe. And I, I think that we should probably stop, but I'm moving it. It's now going beginning January. We're actually, and I'll, I'll post some information. I mean, we don't promote Naranon. Naranon is a group that's not promoted, but it is something that offers hope. And so I can give you the information for it. If anybody's interested, I'm going to be holding starting January 5th at Rustic Cup Coffee Shop in East Prospect. We're actually going to move it over to East Prospect, and it's going to be held after hours at the coffee shop from like 6.30 to 7.30. And what I'm hoping to do, because it's going to be in a coffee shop, not necessarily in my house, is I'm going to start maybe trying to get speakers once a month to be able to come in, those in recovery and just different speakers, and maybe actually reach out to some people that need help out in the area in the eastern york county so it's now going to be the eastern york county naranon so i think there's so it's official like you're it's official yeah it's going to be on the naranon um website worldwide organization so we've actually put that through so that they'll have that information beginning january that's what it's going to be so okay and what where's this coffee shop this is on one route 124 going towards craley if you take uh take you're the East Prospect Road all the way up towards Crayley. Okay. You familiar with where Pizza Town is? Oh, yeah. Okay. We're right next right to Pizza there. Town. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Well, yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah. That's good. That'll be good. I don't think there's anything down that way. There isn't. And that's why, I mean, there really wasn't anything in Dallas Town Red Lion either. But the church that I was having it at, they, I was blessed that they allowed me to do it. But the only place that we had, we shared with the Bell Shelter. 
and there was a room and bell shelter seemed to be in the room a lot more a little nice cozy room and we ended up in the conference room okay. <laughs> on the second floor and it just made it hard for some people to get up and down and they had an elevator but then you would have had to look for the elevator and i just decided to I thought, well, maybe the coffee shop might be a good place and it might actually attract some people. Again, we're not supposed to attract. So that's not the right term. Let's not say attract. <laughs> not, you, yeah, that yeah. group, you're not allowed to advertise. You're not supposed it's to not advertise. It's not for money, but, but it's, a good, it's no. a good educational. It's a good educational place. If somebody is looking for, um, you know, a place to go where you're not going to be judged and you're looking to help yourself. You need self-help and you want to recover yourself because you know, addiction creates chaos in your life. And you all of a sudden realize that your life is just not manageable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happened is I wasn't managing my life anymore. I wasn't managing me anymore. I was managing everything around me and you become addicted to your addict. And that's when these groups are helpful because it will help bring you back to reality. And it doesn't mean that you get better you know, right away. Some, it might take you years to get better. And sometimes you move forward and then you go backwards. But again, it's non-judgment and you have people that, that just know what you're going through and are there for your ups and your downs. And, um, so yeah, I'm definitely not advertising Naranon, no, but we will put but it the on group the group will be out yep. there. Yeah. We'll put yeah. it on the page. Um, absolutely. Because it is, I mean, that's part of our purpose of doing these podcasts right. is to help educate and get people what they need. So that's that's a good one right. to put out there when that happens. Yeah, feel yeah. free to put any any information on the page okay. as well. If you feel like you need you need to put it on there, go ahead. Okay. That goes that goes for anybody on that listening or anybody that wants to help out. Put your stuff on the page. Let people know. Then we have not one more, which you're familiar with. Not one more. Yes. Um, so I, I try to do some stuff with them. I actually just put my volunteer paperwork in with them. We're not doing a whole lot because of COVID, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jackie was like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, <laughs> well, like, I just feel like I need to do something. So I did put my volunteer paperwork in. So I'll probably try to help them out whenever we get back to normal. But okay. um, they do have the CARES meeting. And I'm, I'm a big advocate for the CARES meeting. From losing somebody, you know, it, it's, it's been helpful for me oh did you go to one i've you never been one. To, i've been to a not one more meeting it wasn't called cares at that time i don't think so it was earlier on when when i went okay. so explain to us what's the cares so the cares is now you're gonna ask me that too. you don't have to tell me what it stands yeah, for. yeah so <laughs> yeah what's, it, what's so it called cares it, see c-a-r-e-s so it's under not one more cares and they read their little blurb every time before and what it stands for. Um, but it's definitely for those families. If you have someone in an active addiction, if you have someone in recovery, just like the support groups, it's a support group. Okay. And it's also a grief share meeting. And a lot of the people that do go to these meetings have lost someone to a drug overdose. Um, you know, so it's, it just gives you a place to go and, you're not under the principles of Naranon. You're not under the strict structure of a group. It's a support group. You know, it's a support group and they meet the first and third Wednesday. It used to be at York hospital right now during COVID they're meeting it just for today on East market street on Wednesday nights at six o'clock, six o'clock. Okay. And they have a website. Those that are listening that aren't familiar with not one more, not one one more.net. That's, that's That's how they find it. I'm not sure. Pretty sure it's it. But it's not, not one more York chapter. Yeah, it's the York chapter. There's yeah. many different chapters, but yeah. they're very helpful. I know when I was Googling, trying to get information, they will get you Narcan if you need to have mm-hmm. the Narcan. They they do a lot of education on that. I know um, one of the, the people that work with me that was in addictions in recovery right now, and he uses their resources a lot. I remember he had a friend in California that had to get home. They needed to get him home. He was struggling out there. Mm-hmm. He went out for help and it just didn't work. And literally the not one more found a way to get a ho- uh, hotel for him for that night and airfare to get him back here. Yeah. Not one more will also, I, I don't, I'm not going to quote it because I don't know. Um, they will help out f- with a small financial, if you have to bury one of your your loved ones from a drug overdose. If you contact not one more and you need some help, they'll help you with that too. Yeah. And they take donations. I work mm-hmm. the company that I work for. We had like a gift committee 
and I think it was their second or third year in um, Vicki Gladfelder who yeah. started it. Yeah. Um, she met with me and my company actually donated to them and they do take donations mm-hmm. um, through the Amazon Amazon Smile. Yeah. Amazon Smile will do that too, which I always forget to do. I order so much from Amazon <laughs> and sometimes it'll pop up and I'll be like, oh yeah, I need to do Amazon Smile. And then sometimes I forget, but yeah, Amazon Smile will actually give a portion of um, their, their donations or their money or whatever to Not One More. Yeah. So that's a good organization. If, it is. if you want to contribute, I know they have a cookie thing coming up here in a couple of weeks. I think it's the... December 12th, I think it is. It's the 12th. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so... You know, if you want to help out or like you volunteer, they have a mm-hmm. volunteer sheet. I'm not too familiar with them. I just went to a couple meetings and I do the annual run. Um, the 5K. The 5K. The, yeah. Yep. I, I do that. Our family does that in calls memory every mm-hmm. year. Um, yeah, so this I did year the it was first, virtual. Yeah. I, I tried to do, I mean, I just ended up just giving the money and not really worrying about it. I got the t-shirts. I went and picked all that stuff up, but um, I really didn't do my virtual run. <laughs> I wasn't really good with that. But yeah, we did that um, the first year for staff. Okay, so. good. Yeah, we do that every year. I look forward to it. This year was the goal. I was going to run. I usually walk it and I trained like before it happened and it was obviously canceled. Yeah. So I did go out to the park uh, that same week and I didn't make the run the whole time, but I did jog a little bit and good. wore a shirt from a previous year. But yeah, so we collect the shirts and look at the designs and and it's a it's a great turnout like covid really screwed a lot of things this year but that was a great turnout the families that would show up it was just amazing to see how many people are touched by addiction just by going to that walk that's the scare it's scary Mm -hmm. when you see how many people are out there um yeah and you know what's weird like you see that many people and people know my story, but how many people did I see there that lost a loved one that I knew that I didn't even know they lost a loved one? I know. Because people don't talk about it because of the stigma. And, and they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and they're like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, hi, you know? Yep. And it's crazy because people and don't talk about it. I'm finding how small of a world it is too, because I've, you know, run into some people who have lost one you know, a loved one. And then I, I end up finding out their loved one either knew my daughter or, you know, worked with my husband or, you know, just all, Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh my God, like, this is just, it's definitely not a club that I'm happy that we're in, No, you know? Um, but But, but we're here, we're here. And I mean, you you know, you can sit and you can wallow in, in your grief or you can do something. And I think you're like me and, you know, it's like, let's just do something like we have to do something to help. And, um, you know, my frustration is that I'm a problem solver by, you know, nature and and that's my job is a business analyst. So I like to solve problems and I can't solve all of these problems. And so it's very frustrating to me that I don't have answers for it all. And it's a big problem and and we're never Mm going to get the answer. I mean, we but can I just think we're educate. better. We're yeah. getting better. We are I mean, getting better. There's a long way to go. I mean, I just said that to Jackie with some of the personal things that she's going through and, and you know, with her struggles and recovery and everything else. And, and I said to her, you just have to know that even though it might not benefit you right now, it's going to benefit somebody. Like some of the things that you're going through, someone else is not going to have to go through that down the road because of the work that other people are doing. So it is going to get better. It's just a very slow, slow process. I have a quote for that, but I forget what it was. (laughs) Austin has quotes. He gives me quotes all the time, but even through these podcasts, Austin, I talk a lot um, offline coming up with ideas and just learning stuff. And we were just talking last night or the night before, like how much we've grown Mm -hmm through these podcasts and how effective we are that we didn't even realize Mm -hmm. what these do because they're so educational and to hear people's stories and realize five years ago or six years ago when Kyle was, was still alive, we didn't know what any of this was. Right. Like people really didn't talk about it at all. And now there's more advertisements. The government's doing a little bit more. Um, do they need to do more? Yes. Yes, definitely. A lot more. There's a lot more that they can do. Um, I appreciate what they're doing now, but there's so much more. And the, really stigma, the stigma is still there. And we just talked about a different topic, you know, before we came on here tonight. It's the stigma and people judge. They continue to judge. And... and we're normal people like we're we're people yep. and we just want to help and you do a lot more than i do like you're involved in all these groups i i dibble and dabble in it a little bit and then i step back 
and, and do my thing. Um, I was really surprised when I, um, cause this, this PPAC group is one that I had to apply for. There was, and again, I don't even remember how it came up, but I saw they were like looking for somebody, um, to be on this parent advocacy forum through the Pennsylvania drug and alcohol. And I thought, huh, like, you know, I'll do that. Okay. <laughs> I'll go in there. I'll do that. And it's a three year term. And so, you know, I applied and I didn't hear anything. I just kept my paper, you know, in my little basket on my desk, you know, and I don't know, several months went by and I was like, I'm not going to hear anything from them. Like, you know, I'm sure so many other people. And I mean, basically what your qualifications were was to have somebody in recovery or active addiction. Like you just basically needed to be a parent that was involved and understood what was going on. So, um, all of a sudden I just get this email that says, you know, well, congratulations, you know, you've been selected to be a member. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what am I going to do? What is this? So, um, you know, and then COVID happened and so we couldn't meet in person. So, you know, everything's been virtual, which is kind of, kind of put a wrench in everything, mm-hmm. but I think it's been good, you know, because it's at first I'm still at the point where I'm not sure what I can contribute. You know, I'm still trying to figure that out. Like what is my contribution? I mean, I'm hearing these other people that are running nonprofits and they're doing this and they're doing that. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm learning things. And, and even like the last meeting with some of the stuff that we were talking about prior to coming on when we were talking about the criminal justice system. And that was one of the big things when they were talking about stigma and they were talking about, you know, uh, the elementary schools and the junior highs and the high schools and your first responders and you know all of that and I'm listening to all of these people and nobody said judges nobody said lawyers no and I'm thinking whoa wait a second we've got a problem in our criminal justice system yeah. a big problem in our criminal justice system so I asked him I said what are you going to do with the stigma of the criminal justice system and this was to the, sec- the secretary of the Pennsylvania Drug and Alcohol, you know, and I was like, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on? So I think what they're actually going to start doing is, um, I mean, there's nothing. They, they, they laid it out in the point where they're going to have to tackle the criminal justice system differently than the way you tackle everybody else. And, and that makes sense. I mean, you definitely have your judges and, and you've got stigma within your judges. And, and like we talked about, you know, you're not supposed to put your personal opinion when you're actually sentencing somebody, but they do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's not one single person that's ever stood in front of a judge that doesn't realize that they're putting a personal opinion and they're looking at you and they're judging you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're putting them in office, you know, we're putting these people in office. And so she said, we just have to look at it differently and we've got to figure out how are we going to incorporate judges. And so they want to get somebody within the criminal justice system to come and speak to the Pennsylvania drug and alcohol. Um, they have a speaker every time I I meet four times a year. So I think they're going to be doing a speaker and it's going to address the criminal justice system. So that one's going to be really interesting. I'm really going to take a lot of notes for that one. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And they need to work on that. They really do because mm-hmm. there's um there's a lot of people. You know, you can talk to your loved one and they'll be like, "Oh, if we get judge so and so, this is going to be good. Uh-oh, if you get this judge, this is going to be bad." You know, so it's like you know mm-hmm. before you go in there. And that's not the way it should be. You know, there needs to be I think a standard um, and I know, I know it's hard. I know they can't have a standard form that they're going to go, but there's gotta be a law that's going to just encircle all of those with the substance use disorder, whether it's requiring treatment, you sentence them to rehab, you sentence them to treatment, you do something that's going to help them. Throwing them in jail does not help them, you know, um, and judging them and throwing things at them that, is just going to hurt them in the long run is not beneficial. So I don't know. I'm that, off my soapbox, no, but, no, but that, that's key. And, and, and yeah. people listening, like that's when you reach out to your legislators um, and you advocate for things like yep. this because they talk about it. Even when election time comes, how many times did you hear, Oh, we need to stop this, ep- this epidemic, right? This drug opioid epidemic. We need to stop this. We need to hold pharmaceutical companies responsible and we hear about that during election time. And then when the election's over, we don't get much traction after that. Right. We hear it and then we don't really see. I mean, like you said, we've come a long way. But the mm-hmm. listeners out there, if you want to advocate something like your legislators, you have to keep on them. You have to constantly be you know, advocating for, for the people in recovery, for yeah. yourselves. For There's so much out there and there's so much stigma that is out there in in 
in the justice system as well. And we're, we're going to talk to somebody we're hoping, um, we're working on this right now, but even the Narcan right, and the stigma behind the Narcan with the police officers and the EMTs who feel like, I don't want to keep saving this person. This is my third time out here. I don't want to save this person again. And you hear that. And I hear it a lot. And I don't know how to respond to that because I understand where these police, these police officers, Mm -hmm. EMTs are coming from, but I'm on the other side too. And I, I have to say, I get what you're saying. You, you save somebody three times in the same evening and their, their fight is I could be saving somebody else. What about that person that's having a heart attack? I'm not able to get to them Mm -hmm. because I'm back at this same house for the third time. And I have to put myself in their shoes to try to understand that. But I also understand that could my son have been saved with Narcan? Right. And do you put a limit on that? You can't say, okay, after the third time, I'm not going to save that person anymore because that fourth time may be the time that that person says, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Right they don't want you to Narcan them. Like it's an illness, it's a sickness, it's a disease. And so education on even that. And, you know, we're working to get a police officer on, you know, to share their part of it because I'm always willing to listen to both sides of the story. I'm going to fight this battle. (laughs) I'm very passionate (laughs) about the Narcan, but, um, and and we have a video that we're going to put on our page for anybody who's interested and doesn't know how to administer Narcan um, not one more gives Narcan. Mm-hmm. There's different organizations that give it free from time to time. You'll see it advertised. The health department sometimes has mm-hmm. a day that you can come. I believe that people should carry it. And if you think you don't need it, we heard stories from Jackie's podcast where it happens in bathrooms. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I still, I have Narcan in my yeah. house. It, you know, it's possible. Carry it in your pocketbook mm-hmm. or, you know, in your car. You never know. You never know. You never know. So you might want to learn how to administer the Narcan. And you might save a life. You may never have been touched with a drug addiction or right. a person that uses it, but you might be going into a store and you have it and yeah. you're walking into a bathroom and not expecting that and you could save somebody. And I know people say they deserve it, whatever. It's still a life to me. It's Absolutely. A, it, it comes down to education, like you said. Yeah. It's a disease. Yeah. Yeah. Same with somebody gets stung by a bee, you just kind of let them lay there. Diabetic coma, how many times? I mean, you can go into a diabetic yeah. coma several times, you yep, know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all in education. It so, is. And it is education. That's why I wanted to have this tonight because I just, I'm reading in the paper, I'm hearing it's happening, and I'm hearing people that were in recovery for six years that are relapsing. I mean, it's, this is a depressing time right now. This COVID definitely. is a new way of living. It, it's isolation. They, isolation is difficult. And, you can't and, be, you can't have this disease and be isolated. No. Like you, isolation will kill you. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm not even sure if meetings are still going on. Some of them are in some churches. Of them, yeah. Some of some them are of going them are on. Virtual. Um, some will let you like last night, you could wear a mask or not. You know, they okay. weren't mandating it. Um, but, and it wasn't a huge meeting. You know, there was, I don't know, there might, well, I guess it depends. There might've been 20 people there. Okay. You know. And but, that's important. Like it's important for people to talk, even, even the group that you're starting up, the Narnon, Mm -hmm. like that's important for even people who aren't addicted. We get depressed, the holidays. So we have the COVID, we got the holidays, we got addiction and and money issues. Well, and think of the other people who are not, like there's another segment that's not being taken care of right now. And that is those children who are affected by the drug addiction from their parents. You know, there's no support groups, you know, you have your teen, teen anon or whatever. Um, I think the closest ones in Harrisburg, they don't have any around here for mm-hmm. children of addicts, um, or alcoholics. So there's those, I mean, I've got seven grandchildren, five of my seven grandchildren are directly affected, you know, very direct, all seven are, are directly affected, but five are, you know, have lost a parent to drug addiction. So, um, one way or another, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. yes, Jackie's son, you know, Jackie is still alive, but he's been abandoned right now, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, not by Jackie, you know, so he doesn't get to see her. So, I mean, they're, they're all affected. And mm-hmm. what do we do with these kids? I mean, now the common denominator, I don't know if you remember, like there for a while, it was like, oh, you know, parents were getting divorced and you're starting to feel like, oh, you go into, you know, first, second grade or whatever. And how many parents are divorced? Well, now the first and second graders are how many have a parent 
that has died of drug overdose. It's gonna be a lot. How like many are being raised by their grand? How many are being raised by their grandparents right now? There's a lot. There's a lot, and um, and that's like another passion of mine. Like, what am I gonna do? I'm. I need to do something. I'm worried about my grandchildren. They are affected by this. And I think so. we need to talk about it. I mm-hmm. think we need to talk about drugs in elementary school, not scare yep. them. Yep. Not make it sound like it's terrible to force them to say, hey, I want to try it because they're telling me not to try it. Like, well, we have to make the them things, understand, understand that if you have a genetic disposition to this addiction, do you really, you're playing Russian roulette. Why do mm. you want to take the chance? You know, yeah, you can light up that cigarette, but what are the chances that you're never going to be able to stop smoking? Pretty high. What about drinking? What about drugs? Same mm-hmm. thing. You know, they have to understand that they are pre, there's a predis, predisposition, if I can say it right, to their addiction. And that's a group that we forget about. You're right. Like you don't hear about that. Yep. And they're young. They're like very Like you young. said, first and second grade. Yep. And there's a lot that have lost both parents. Yep. So. There's it's a sad. lot. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. lot. There's a lot that's needed. But there's a lot out there and it continues to grow and it continues to be um, spoken about. And so, you know, you've been yep. helpful. Is there any other organizations that I'm you... looking through here trying to see if there's, I mean, we have, I mean, there's the York County Reentry Coalition. It's not necessarily an organization that anybody would just go to, but it, it's a reentry coalition that is working with people that are coming out of jail and being able to get them back in, um, to, you know, society and finding them jobs. There's also part of the recovery committee that I'm in. Um, and again, I'd have to get the gentleman's name. I don't remember what group he's actually working, but what he's doing now is he is going around and it's actually getting employers that are, um, uh, I'm going to lose my train of thought as to what it's called. Second chance opportunity. Kind of. It's kind of like an opportunity of being able to let them know that they are, they're drug free and they're going to be able, they'll hire you. You know, you've got to talk to these employers and find out what are you going to do to keep the drugs out? And what are you going to do to make sure that you can still hire people? There's a lot of companies out there that still won't hire you mm-hmm. if you, you know, have a felony or you had a drug problem or anything like that. They're trying to work with, uh, I guess, different companies and contracting with them to say that they would actually, it's somebody that maybe somebody like the race project or whatever could say, Hey, you know what? These companies are hiring and they will hire you with your background and they can actually send them there. So that's something else that's being worked on too with the employers in York and Lancaster and Dolphin counties. Yeah. And Austin and I and Dylan actually recorded a podcast that we didn't play yet. It's kind of like one of that back burner and that's what we talked about is employers and, mm-hmm. and getting jobs. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about is right now, most of your people that have the background, the drug addiction, they're working in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and that's right a trigger now, right now, too. The restaurants, restaurants are not fully capacity. You know, they're not filling those positions. They don't, they, they don't have it. Nope. You know, the COVID has shut that down. So now we have these people that that's their life. Mm -hmm. They go to work, you know, I'm not stigmatizing that that's the only people that work in a restaurant, but that's well known. And everybody Mm -hmm. that talks about it says that's a place where they can go, they can go and and get get a job. And now if we're not doing hiring through the temp services, companies are cutting back, the restaurants are closed. We're putting people in a position to stress. Yeah. If they lock this, if they lock everything down again, we're going to see another increase in overdoses and, and they talk about it on the news like mm-hmm. this is a, i mean they, they do put that blurb in like this is affecting but what are we doing what are we doing about what it? what are we doing yeah. we're, we're saying it's a problem and it's yeah. all over the news and the governor even the governor's acknowledging it mm-hmm. but what are we doing about well, it well and i think that's what made me happy eventually once i got into the york opioid collaborative because when i first started going there there was a lot of statistics I would sit in this meeting and I would watch data after data and all the statistics and, you know, this is how many overdoses and this is how many deaths and this is how many were used Narcan and this is how, you know, and all the statistics and I'm thinking, what are you doing with the statistics? Like Mm -hmm. you can have all the numbers in the world, but what are you doing with them? You know, now we've started breaking into subcommittees. Now we're starting to talk about things. They do have a big group where they talk about the numbers and you get all of your data because you need that data. You need to be able to collect that data. Yes. But I don't, 
I don't care. You know, I, I just want to do something about it. And, um, let's reduce those numbers. You know, it's nice to see that we have an increase in warm handoffs into the rehab centers. That's great. Once we get them into the rehab center, how many are staying, how many are staying there longer than three months or their entire three months, or how many are being kicked out by the insurance company after 28 days, that number that's saying, well, we got all these people in in the rehab is great. But what about that insurance portion of it? Well, that's a whole other. That's topic. a whole other topic, you know. <laughs> we twenty eight for days. Yeah, twenty eight days later, days. kick them out. You know, so I mean, there's we're getting better, but there's so many little pieces to this. Absolutely, yeah, and we could. It's go overwhelming. On for days. It really is. I mean, we're sitting here trying to help. You know, give families opportunity, yep. give some information that anybody can reach out to. Um, there's many different organizations that Gina shared with us that help the family. There's also things that we gave you that helps the person in addiction as well. Um, support yeah. is key, like support, supporting each other, supporting family members, um, listening. Yeah, know. I got some things on the, the family, like the moms and dads, brothers, sisters who have someone that they know or a relative that struggle with it. A couple of key things to do is, first of all, get educated on addiction. Know that in the initial use was maybe a choice but they didn't choose the the disease you know what i mean yep so that but be familiar with uh the signs and the signs of substance use and uh know that it addiction affects the brain the emotions and self-control of the individual uh don't don't enable you gotta gain that trust with the individual encourage them to uh treatment uh, like you said, Gina, self-care that mm-hmm. I forget what the organization was, but Narnon. Yeah. Narnon. You self-care and, um, you can't be ju- judgmental and yeah, those are some of the things that you can do as far as taking the first steps. And one of the things that I want to touch on that Austin just spoke about is knowing the signs and we never really touched on that on a podcast, but after Kyle passed away and I got involved in this. If I would have known those signs, I would have a hundred percent, I'm a hundred percent sure I would have known that he was doing drugs, but I had no idea. And everybody puts in their head, not my child, not my family member. What Austin just said is key. And maybe we need to do a little bit more research and a podcast on what are those signs. It can Mm -hmm. be a 15 minute podcast. What do we look for? What are those signs? Because we say this is educational, it's going to help people. And when he just said that, I thought that was key. Because people don't know the signs. People can say, drugs have not touched my family. And they probably have. Well, and even when things have started, you hear a lot of times, like, I think they might be using. Mm -hmm. I think they're doing, like, because you don't. And even when I knew the signs, I still had a hard time. That conversation. Yeah. Just try it's all and, on your yeah. reaction. Yeah. Is it, den- I don't know, because someone said to me, did you know, and it was just denial, and I'm like, no, I, honest to God, didn't think. Like, I knew he smoked marijuana, but I don't know how many times I'd be having a conversation with him, and his head would drop, mm-hmm. or I couldn't wake him up yep. when he was supposed to get Nothing up, out, and I'd yep. be shaking him, like, wake up. Right. And I would be like, why? Are-? Or he would, Austin, if you remember, he was always going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I just remember uh, towards the end there, he was he was sick a lot. He was yeah. coughing, and, and that was that was him going through uh, withdrawal. withdrawal. Mm-hmm. But we never knew. Like we yep. just thought, you know what? He had Lyme disease, so it could have been a reaction from that. Like we always made excuses because we didn't know. And then after I heard about the nodding off, and I'm like, yeah, at the kitchen table, I'd be like, really? We're yeah. talking, and you're falling asleep, and he would pop his head up and start laughing at me it all makes sense everything like, makes sense it now. does it definitely makes sense and and it's yeah. like you know and i think that um you know for me i feel sometimes like i must have ptsd you know it's like i almost feel like i time how long she goes to the bathroom you know or you know it's just and yeah. i'm not i'm not intentionally doing any of that but it's something that's in my head like oh she's been in the bathroom for a little while you know it's mm-hmm. like because you just mm-hmm. know those those things and it's just like wow like I, and the education's helpful. So is. we will do a podcast on what yeah. the, the signs are and stuff. And when you talk about, you know, is she in the bathroom that long since we've had these podcasts and we've heard different stories, I can tell you 
when I go into a, a gas station, I now try not to use the bathroom. I don't like to use the bathroom anywhere other than home, mm-hmm. but I, I get paranoid before I go into a bathroom. I'm like, okay, okay. Like We've at, talked at about Brothers this. or at the Royal Farms, they're on Route 30. Like, yep. I just think since I... I never would have thought that before, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do if this happens? Like, am I ready for this? It's crazy. And like you said, mm-hmm. it's unintentional. Like, is it post-traumatic? Right. It you could know. be because why, why does my mind go there? Right. And then I think to myself after I come out, well, that was stupid. Like, why, <laughs> you just stressed for no reason. Like, what are you, why are you th- even thinking about that? And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to prepare myself for, for what, what might I happen. might see. Yeah. And right. it's ridiculous. Because before I was educated on this, I never would have thought (laughs) in a million years, oh, that's pretty nice. I got a purple light in this bathroom, whatever. That's nice. That's weird. But now that you know, it's just like, oh my gosh. So education is key. I don't want a bunch of paranoid people (laughs) going to the bathroom in the the gas station, but it's crazy. Yep. It is. I got that quote for you. What is that quote? It says, sometimes God will use your situation to set somebody else free. That's a good quote. I like that. Okay. And I just found something real quick before we close on the York Opioid Collaborative Community Prevention Coalition is the group that I'm in. And basically, and we talked about that a little bit, it's to increase education awareness of substance use disorders, development of prevention activities, and enhanced recovery and community support. Right now, they're looking for... um, volunteers to be more actively involved in planning, development, and implementation of initiatives on two of their subcommittees. The one is the Education Awareness Committee. Um, That's education for parents about how to talk to your kids about drugs and alcohol. Education to the community about Narcan and breaking down stigma and myths associated. Substance use awareness campaigns, targeted and general education about substance use disorders and identifying primary prevention opportunities for youth. And then the other person that they're looking for is someone to head the subcommittee for recovery support. And um, that's the, the committee that I'm on. I'm not heading it, I think. <laughs> you head it and I'll join. No. I mean, I really think that they need somebody, like I said earlier, in long-term recovery, I think would be perfect for something like this. But it's to identify ongoing support needs for recovery community, facilitation of activities to promote social connections, health and wellness, spiritual principles, and service to the community, and recovery testimonials and breaking down stigma. So I think... Um, I believe that a long-term person would be awesome. For yeah. that. I heard a speaker in Dover at an AA meeting. Um, he was in recovery for a long time, and he was very motivational, and he was very experienced, and he was actually um, sober for so many years, and I really learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was down to earth, but he knows. I mean, he was talking to the people in the audience telling them what they need like through his experience this is what he found helpful and he laughed about some of the things and he was very serious about some of the things and we cried through some of the things and Mm -hmm. someone like that so if there's a listener out there that knows of anybody that would help fill that spot it would be key to have somebody in long-term recovery yep they've broken everything down into subcommittees and they meet several times throughout the year it's usually once a month um and then we have like a big coalition group. I think I have a big coalition meeting coming up, but I'll see if I can maybe get a calendar and, and put it out there on the website so okay. that no if anybody is interested right now, there's zoom meetings, you know, we're not meeting personally anymore right now. So, um, so yeah, you can just like put yourself on, on mute <laughs> and sit and listen if you want to, but yeah, yeah that would be great. Yeah, That's absolutely. Awesome. The more people we get involved, the That's better what, it is yeah. for, for everybody, the community, um, it just, it's new perspectives. Like yep. you said, you walk into a meeting and you're saying, what can I help with? Like, right. I, don't, I don't have that education, but just your questions that you ask them are key. Right. Because they're questions that everybody wants answers to that just don't have the guts that you had to walk into a meeting and ask that question. Yep. And are you familiar with 211? Have you ever heard of 211? Never heard of that. 211 is supposed to be a resource also. It's not just for... Um, those with substance use, it's for mental illness, any of the resources in York County, it's almost like 
you know, the 911 is, you know, for help, but 211, you should be able to go in. And I, I have not used 211 myself, but I think what they're trying to do is get it updated so that it provides lists and resources for people. Okay. Um, so that's something else, you know, if somebody just doesn't know where to go, they can start with 211 possibly and see, you know, if it'll direct you somewhere, somewhere. Um, to one of these resources out here. That's helpful. We'll put some of this stuff on our website. Um, also, is that page ready to go? Yeah, we can start inviting people to the page. Okay. It's not a page, it's a group. Okay, so explain, now we have a page. We have a page right now, currently, okay. which is more from a, for a business standpoint. Okay. And I created a group, which I don't know if you're familiar with my Sunset Sunrise group. Oh. Probably not. I don't think so. But you know what I'm talking about. It's, yes. you can, I think it's more better of a interaction between us and the listeners. Okay. We can communicate better and uh, interact better. That's through, just my opinion. So, so, yeah. You so created a group. I'll start inviting people to it. Okay. And that's through Facebook because then it's easier so that, right. I think, if it's And it should notify you. Wrong. It should notify you when people post on there. Because right. right now, the page, I'm not, it, it doesn't. doesn't it's very difficult to use that page even yeah, to post something on it. So the group, anybody can put like websites on or anything yeah, yeah, like that. You can it's, share anything. Yeah, it, it's a lot easier. And then how that works is we'll invite our people and then those people can invite their people. And okay. it doesn't have to come back to Austin to approve. Yeah. You can approve your people. Okay. And it'll, it'll just grow. I think it'll grow more. I think like he so has too. a sunrise sunset um i mean you got the groups like uh michelle mentioned on her podcast what do you remember addiction. some of them yeah hero in the fight or something like that yeah. is one. Oh yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah. so it'll be the I'm same part thing. of that okay same thing okay yeah good okay yeah. all right so yeah and then we'll post some of that stuff on there so the listeners um we're gonna have a facebook group do they have to be invited to that or can they Once, ask to be invited they should be able to search it now and invite themselves but I, i'm gonna invite okay. a bunch of people okay and then we'll post some of these websites um if anybody has anything that you want to share Sorry. that we may Sorry. have missed um reach out facebook messenger um to me to austin to the page um and we can add those to our list as well i think it's been helpful i just felt like we needed to get some information out there with the holidays coming and right and Gina's very knowledgeable on all kinds of stuff. And we appreciate her coming. This is like her third or fourth one. She's a pro. She might as well be a host with oh, us geez. here. <laughs> but but she's always willing to come and share. Um, if anybody has anything that they're willing to share that we haven't touched on, I know we touched on a food addiction last week. Um, I have someone set up that's going to come on women abuse, abuse um, with women and men because it mm -hmm. happens to men as well um and mental health issues in young people is another one that i have set up to record so if anybody has anything um that they think would be beneficial and educate us because we don't know anything you know as as gene and i said we're just kind of maneuver through yeah. and whatever comes up you know it's worth a it's worth a stab at yep so, well, thank you. Yep. Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk soon. See ya.